So I was recently watching a TV show called The Good Place, and uh, hopefully without giving away any spoilers, I got to the part where the characters make it to The Good Place, i.e. Heaven. The only problem was that this was a very uninspiring version of Heaven. In fact, it was straight up boring, monotonous, and kind of what well, was a godless heaven. Imagine that, a heaven without God. Now, thankfully, this is not what the kingdom of heaven is actually like. In reality, each one of us has been created for infinite joy and infinite, never-ending celebration. It's what human beings desire most deeply. Infinite joy and infinite celebration. To paraphrase St. Thomas Aquinas, all human beings necessarily crave ultimate, perfect happiness. At times, we might have the wrong idea of what will bring us true happiness. We might even pursue things that will in fact make us unhappy. But without exception, every person who has ever lived on this planet is on the hunt for infinite joy and infinite celebration. And this is only possible in beholding God forever, in having the highest good possible, God. We are content with nothing less. You were made to gaze upon and enjoy God forever. And this is precisely what each of us is being offered. It's what is being given to us. That's why our parable today strikes us as so tragic and, to be frank, so insane. Those invited to the wedding feast are offered nothing less than everything good, everything true, everything that is beautiful. They are offered a seat at the wedding banquet of this great king. His son is getting married, and he wants everyone to be there. They are offered infinite joy and infinite, never-ending celebration. Everything is ready, the king says. Come to the feast. It's as if the king is saying, I know your heart desires everything. The total answer. I mean to give you just that. It's here for you to receive. So come to the feast. And yet, for some reason, they simply don't want to come to the party. This bizarre reaction reminds me of the creature Gollum from The Lord of the Rings. It's taken me, what, two months to make a Lord of the Rings reference? I've been very well behaved. You remember Gollum. He is that creepy, scrawny guy who was always obsessed and possessed by that evil ring. And at one point, in the books anyways, Frodo and Sam offer Gollum a piece of their treasured elvish bread. 
and he takes one whiff of it, and, quote, a spasm of disgust comes over Gollum's face. He attempts to nibble the bread, but he immediately spits and coughs, crying out, dust and ashes. He can't eat, eat that. He must starve. Imagine that. When offered good, nourishing food, food that would satisfy the hunger of anyone else, Gollum was totally uninterested, and he was even revolted. Frodo responds saying, I'm sorry, but I can't help you, I'm afraid. I think this food would do you good if you would try. But perhaps you can't even try. Not yet, anyway. Unfortunately, Gollum had an aversion to the good food that was offered freely to him. He wanted nothing to do with it. And in the spiritual life, this terrible and this sad state is called by our tradition by the name of Asadia. Asadia. Asadia is sometimes referred to as the noonday devil or the eighth deadly sin. It's closely related to the sin of sloth, but it goes much deeper than that. Asadia is particularly difficult and particularly deadly because it's kind of a, a sad indifference toward our highest good, toward God himself, a sort of sluggish inactivity, an apathy, even an anxious desire to avoid that infinite joy and that infinite celebration that we were made for. We see something like Asadia at work in those invited to the wedding feast in our parable this evening. The king, quote, dispatched his servants to summon the invited guests to the feast, but they refused to come. He sends more invitations, and still, they ignore the invitation. Evidently, they want nothing to do with it, and seem perfectly okay with missing out on this awesome party. Or maybe they think that the party will be boring, like heaven in the good place. Or maybe they think that they're doing just fine without that feast. For whatever reason, those invited are sort of apathetic to the generous, over-the-top offering of God's generosity. And I think that this sort of thing is very common in our world today. God is often the last topic that people want to address or talk about. Everyone seems kind of allergic to the fact that God is with us. Or else they might even cringe or kind of brush him off to the side out of awkwardness or, or kind of even an embarrassment. But all the while, and this is what's really beautiful, all the while, God continues to plead with all of humanity to come and enjoy perfect happiness in him. He is tirelessly pursuing us, just like the king in our parable today. And that kind of love is simply unheard of. God is practically begging people to come and enjoy 
perfection. He seems to want us to have heaven more than we want it. Let's pause at this point to just take a look at something really interesting. I think very often Christianity is accused of just only being interested in following rules and not having fun and repressing desires. And yet here in this parable that we just heard, Jesus' parable of the wedding feast, we hear about a God who is offering us everything that we want. And yet those who are invited still don't seem motivated or interested. What's going on? Well, uh, C.S. Lewis puts it this way. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition, when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. And he ends his quote by saying this, We are far too easily pleased. That last line is striking to me. We are far too easily pleased. That's the problem of a sadia at work, a diminishment of our desire for God and a lowering of our expectations. Remember, we are created for nothing less than infinite joy and infinite celebration. Do we want that? Do we expect that from our Father in Heaven? If not, then what can shake us out of this spiritual lethargy? What can break through this disenchanted stupor that sometimes drags us down and prevents us from receiving God's life and peace and joy? Well, I think the answer is the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead. In the empty tomb, we find a powerful cure for all the indifference and apathy of Asadia. How can we remain unmoved when we know and believe that Christ is risen? How can we turn down an invitation to his wedding feast, the wedding of heaven and earth, when we believe he walked out of that awful grave fully alive? It's what makes us Christians to believe in that. That is our message of hope for the entire world. And that's what we are celebrating right here and now, the resurrection of our Lord. Each and every Sunday or Saturday at 5.30 p.m., we come to this sacrificial banquet of the Eucharist, the Lord's body and blood, crucified and risen. And we participate now in the infinite, unending celebration of heaven. It's here that God says to us as well, come, come to the feast. Everything is ready. We hear those words, take this all of you and eat, take this all of you and drink. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. That's Jesus inviting you and me to receive all joy. And when we see the liturgy from that perspective, we can then see how this event that we are participating in right now is not something that we drag ourselves to out of habit, 
It's not some heavy obligation that is burdened onto our backs under the threat of mortal sin. Rather, we sincerely want to be here. We've been personally invited. And you've responded to that invitation. You came to the feast tonight. Praise God for that. I'm grateful that you said yes to that invitation. And to those who are united with us from home, the homebound, the people across the street at Our Lady of the Valley, the people who long to be here celebrating the Eucharist with us, they too have responded to that invitation. So together, let us fall deeper and deeper in love with God. And by our intercession and the life that we have in the Spirit, let's banish all that asadia out in the world. All that sad apathy, all of that aversion and indifference that burdens so many people and prevents them from saying yes to God's invitation to all joy. We were made for worship. We were made for the Eucharist. And the Eucharist makes us. We were made for God's infinity.